Jesus, we offer ourselves up to you today. God, I pray that our ears would be open to what your spirit is saying. Our ears would be open to what the word of God is saying today. God, speak to us. God, I pray that everybody in this place that came here to lift up your name, Jesus, would leave this place closer to you, knowing you more, changed by you. When I read the scriptures, every time your presence shows up, that place, those people are left different. Jesus, I want to leave here different. Knowing you more. Jesus, we give you these next few minutes. Speak to us this morning. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, everyone say. I mean, you guys are loving Jesus this morning. Come on, here. say welcome to Northville Christian Assembly. We are so glad that you chose to be here with us this morning. Whether it's your hundredth time or your first time, we are glad you are here. So hey, can you do me a favor before you're seated? Can you turn around, find someone you don't know, and welcome them to church this morning? So we want to take a couple seconds, but thank you, come up here for me. 
Bethan is going to share uh, just for a couple of minutes about this ministry, um, what they do, what this next week is going to look like. They have a very big week coming up, which she's going to tell you a little bit about. And then I want to, uh, all of us together, pray for these awesome volunteers this morning. So Bethan, can you just share with us about what they do? Yes, of course. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Good morning, church! <laughs> huge slip and slide which can be amazing we are we have exclusive two hours of the waterfront so we have no other there's like 700 people on this campground and so we get the waterfront to ourselves for two hours which is great they have like like amazing about 10 inflatables canoes boats a huge water slide so lots of different things the kids get to do um, these kids have not all experienced these things like regular kids that go to a regular summer camp or just when you go on vacation. Some of them have never done any of this stuff. Some of them, they're just really happy that they get hot lunch at school. Um, so it was, it's just really a great opportunity that we get to go and take them to camp and just love on them for, for a week. This year, we gotta, uh, we're going to be doing the Bible story of Esther. So it's going to be great to just... Uh, just show these kids that God has a plan, right? And for such a time as this, right? We've got an amazing drama team. They're going to be doing puppets, object lessons, games, songs. It is going to be lit in this, in this room. So I, they have so much energy and bring so much life to camp that I go to bed exhausted just watching them. <laughs> so um, something that we could ask you of, if you really covet your prayers. We just, we're just asking that, you know, God gives us an amazing week of weather, that 
healthy volunteers, healthy campers. Huh? And yes, last year we did have a power outage. We're praying again. We do not speak of that, Bob. Okay, bad. <laughs> what, what happens at camp stays at camp. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But mostly we just, we just pray that God shows up in a powerful, mighty way this week in these kids. That they walk away with positive memories that will last them a lifetime of a God who loves them and has plans and purpose for their life. And the prayer is that he uses all of us volunteers to just give them lifelong memories. That uses us to give them positive, the smiles on our face just shows them that God's love through us. The Holy Spirit fills everyone here with the energy and what we need to be able to offer these kids a great week at camp. So we really just thank you for your prayers, and we're just excited, and I'm excited to be able to share everything that's going to happen after camp. So thank you very much. So what I'd like to do is I'd just like to take a few seconds, and we're going to pray over these amazing volunteers. And I don't know if you've ever served at a kid's camp ever, but it needs more than what you think is possibly required. Uh, what you're able to do. I mean, it is just, it's incredible. So if you could do me a favor, just reach your hands out and pray with me over these amazing volunteers. Lord, you know what this week is going to hold. You know the kids that are coming. You know the leaders that are going to be there. And God, I just pray for divine appointments where these kids would meet you maybe for the first time or they would just, God, maybe recommit their lives to you, whatever it may be, Jesus, that you would get a hold of their hearts this week. God, I want to lift up each and every volunteer as they're going to find themselves in situations that maybe they've never been in before. Maybe they don't have what they think is the right answer. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill them and they would be ready, Lord, just to love on these kids the way that you've called them to. They would be ready to uh, just share about their faith and their testimony. God, I pray that they would get rest at night, Jesus, and, and be ready to attack the next day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to love on these kids this week. Bless these volunteers and use them in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Can you give it up for these guys one more time? Awesome. The last thing that I want to let you guys know is today we are having a celebration lunch for Pastor Raymond and Sadie. We're just going to celebrate what God is doing in their lives in the next chapter, what God has for them. And so right after our service, probably during the altar call, these guys are going to sneak out, hopefully scarf down a couple bites. And uh, we're, we're having a picnic after a barbecue. We did see, we were looking at the forecast, and it said it was going to be a warm one today. So what we have available is the gymnasium, but we also have tents and tables set up out near the uh, playground area. So if you brought little ones and you'd rather have your kids climbing on the jungle gym instead of you, we have that option available for you, all right? So um, make sure that uh, you make your way down after um, and, and just tell these guys just how God has used them in your life. Like I shared with you maybe, whatever it was, a few weeks ago, a month ago, that those testimonies is really what carries you through, right? And uh, there's nights that you lay awake as a pastor and you're going, what am I doing? Am I having any sort of impact at all? 
And when you guys are able to share your testimony or share what God did in your life through them, through your child, your niece, nephew, whoever it may be, maybe a sermon uh, that Pastor Raymond had, had spoken or something like that, just do me a favor, share that with them, would you, today? Love on them, bless them, and uh, let's just celebrate what God is doing in their life. So again, that's right after service. Um, you'll start out in the gym. That's where you can grab your food, and then you can either stay in there or head outside. All right, we are going to continue with our foundation series this morning. And again, this is kind of a big vision, big picture uh, series that we're covering Week one, we talked about Jesus being our good shepherd, our cornerstone, the one that our life is built upon. Week two, we shared about the word and the importance of God's word in our lives. Week three was about prayer, and it's a conversation with God that we need to have daily, many times a day. And then week four, worship, how it's more than just a song. It is part of a song. There is praise and worship, and I hope that that is part of your life. But also, it's about the way that we live our lives. Today, what I want to talk about for Foundations Week number five, my title is this, Better Together. We are better together. How many agree with that statement? We are better together. I want to talk about the importance of community today, the importance of being surrounded by incredible Christian people and friends, and how that is something that will be very important for NCA, both in the past, present, and going forward. I want to read Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. It's about togetherness, and this is what it says. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's pray one more time. Lord, have your way. Have your way in this place. Have your way in my life. God, I pray that not one word that I share would be mine, but God, you would speak through me. And God, I pray that, that the truth that we talk about today, the truth that is in your word, Lord, that it would be planted deep in our hearts, deep in our souls, and it would grow and flourish and produce fruit in our everyday life. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, when I think of the phrase, better together, my mind immediately goes to sports. We got any sports fans in here? You like to play? You like to watch? We got a few. All right, good deal. I love sports. I've always been involved in sports. When I was a kid, it was Little League. As I grew up, I kind of had to make a choice. Uh, my family lived in a different town. Uh, I grew up in one town and attended school in another, so it was tough to get rides. So there came a time where I kind of had to choose my involvement in church versus my involvement in school, uh, school sports. But what was awesome is that our church was able to do church softball. We had a church basketball team. So sports has always been a big part of my life. I love it. Um, I get a little too intense, all right? If we ever play a sport together, if you see me smiling and calm, that's not what's going on on the inside, all right? I'm trying to rip the other dude's throat out, okay? I'm just being honest. That's the way that I am. I am very, very ultra competitive, ultra competitive. 
And one thing that I love about sports is I love a good underdog story. Anybody like a good underdog story? They make movies out of them for crying out loud. Of course we love underdog stories. Well, when I think of a good underdog story, there's none better that I could think of than this group of guys right here. How many of you guys remember these guys up on the screen? Come on. You remember them? Come on. These guys, uh, so this is going back a little ways when Amber and I were dating, just married. We watched sports pretty much every night of the week. It was either Red Wings hockey or the Pistons basketball, Tigers baseball, Lions football. <coughs> um, but, you know, we were, we loved sports. We were in it um, for one anniversary gift. My wife got me tickets to a Pistons playoff game. I mean, where we beat the Pacers. It was amazing. But we absolutely loved sports in our home. And I love this team specifically. And I want to tell you why I love this team specifically. No one expected anything out of the guys that you see on that screen. No one expected it. Each guy, uh, most of them were on different teams where it didn't work out. They were a wreck. They were maybe drafted high and went to the team and underperformed, bounced around different teams. And yet this ragtag group of guys comes together, play for the Pistons, and they went on to beat the Los Angeles Lakers in 2004. Now in 2004, it wasn't like just your typical Lakers team. This team had four Hall of Famers, four future Hall of Famers on it. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, and Gary Payton. The Pistons that you see right there came together, worked as a team, and beat the Lakers four games to one to win in the finals and take home the championship. So when I think about being better together, I think of teams like this. Because let's be real, as highly as you might think of yourself, as cool as you might think you are, we all need each other, right? When you look at these guys, they all played different positions. They all had different skills. They all needed each other. If one of those guys, two of those guys, even three of those guys would have taken on any of the other guys that I had mentioned, these future Hall of Famers, they would have been in big trouble. But they all came together, worked together, upset the Lakers, shocked the world, and won the championship in 2004. Church, we are something similar to this team. Maybe none of us specifically are incredible at everything, right? But we all have our skill set. We all have things that we're good at. We all have giftings that God has given us. But in order for us to work together, in order for us to be a great team and to be mightily used by God, to be used by God at our greatest potential, we need to come together as a community. We need to come together as believers and help each other out. A few of the verses that, that we had just talked about talked about the benefits of being there together. Your, your buddy falls, you can help him up. Loneliness. Loneliness is a big deal, especially now with everything that's going on with the device that you hold in your hand. You think you have community. That's not real community. That's not real community. Does anybody agree with me this morning? There's a false sense of community, and you can put that community in the place of real community, and you think you're okay, but you're really not. 
We need each other, church. My first point today is what does the Bible say about community? What does the Bible say about community? Well, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love, good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Community is important, and we read about it in the Bible in several areas. One of the most obvious ways that we see community is actually in God himself in the Trinity. Right? One God, three beings, the Trinity. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we actually see the Trinity in this, these couple verses here. It starts out like this in Matthew 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit. There's community even in the Godhead. The early church, we see community in the early church. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so, powerful, was so powerfully at work in them all. Verse 34. That there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the, feet of, at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So we see community within the Godhead. We see community within the early church. We see the need. We see the benefits of this community. Life was not meant to go at it alone. What did God say after he created Abraham? It's not good that man is alone, right? So then he creates Eve. Church, we were not meant to go at this thing called life alone. I don't know about you, but I need you. And I like to think that you need me. There are so many situations that I go through in life and I just say, I am not strong enough. I turn to people all the time for advice, for help, for prayer support. All of that starts in community. The next thing I want to talk about is the value of community. The value of community. There is strength in numbers, right? There is strength in numbers. There is no lone wolf in the kingdom of God as much as you like to think that there is. When I think of a lone wolf, I actually think back to my childhood. I don't know if they still do this, but on ABC, it was ABC 12 in the Flint area, Every Sunday afternoon, they would play an old movie, right? It might be like, well, it was old to me. Rocky, Back to the Future, things like that. Westerns, 
My dad loved Westerns. Me, not such a fan. Maybe the modern ones, but not, not the really old ones. I didn't get it. But my dad loved them. You ever have like a movie or a show that you just can't pass as you're clicking by, right? You're like surfing. You're like, oh, I, I got to watch it. I've seen it a million times, but I got to watch it, right? Well, I think of the main character. The main character was always like this lone wolf, right? He walks in, you hear, wom, 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 kicks the doors open, has a toothpick or something that he's chewing on, asking yourself, do you feel lucky, punk, right? Things of that nature. Sometimes we can fancy ourselves a lone wolf. We will look at these movies or whatever it may be, people that we think, ah, they do it all on their own. They don't need anybody. That's who I want to be. As a kid, I remember feeling that, like, yeah, we don't need anybody. We don't need each other. And then as I grew up, what I realized are the strong ones in my life weren't the ones who were going at it alone. The strong ones in my life were the ones that were humble enough to say, Pastor Chuck, I need help. Can you pray with me? I'm going through this, and I'm going through that. Have you ever sat across, men, have you ever sat across from a table asking for help from another man, looking him right in the eye and saying, I am broken, I need help, will you pray with me? That takes strength. That takes strength. There are no lone wolves in the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That is an encouragement to all of us in this place. We are the body. One body part can't say to the other, hey, I don't need you. Except maybe tonsils. But other than that, it generally doesn't happen, right? One body part isn't more important than the rest. It's the same as this community. It's the same as this church. This body of Christ. We need each other. I'm better when you're in my life. Hopefully you're better when I'm in your life. There's no such thing as a lone wolf in the kingdom of God. Another value we see of community, Jesus sends people out two by two. He did it twice. Luke 10 verse 1, we see 
It says this, after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and a place where he was about to go. We also see that Jesus would send out the disciples two by two. Why? Jesus saw the value in not being alone. It's easier to get picked off when you're alone. Who has your back when you're alone? I feel like Satan tends to attack more when I'm in a lonely place. When I'm not in the place where I am sharing what is going on in my life. My feelings are that Satan would rather have you hold all that stuff in and just say you can take care of it on your own. Because what does that begin to do? Pile up, pile up, pile up, and before you know it, you're drowning. Satan wants you alone. He wants you alone. We need each other, church. Jesus sent them out two by two. We see the importance of community even there. There's strength in numbers. Another part of community that I want to talk about that I want a part of Northville in an even stronger way. I know it's already happening, but I want this to really take off here. And it's this, mentorship. Mentorship. Some of you in this room, while you were getting ready for church, you might have noticed a gray hair or two. Or maybe you were missing a few, right? We need you. We need you. My generation, we need you. The younger generation, they need you. We need to be mentored. There are so many things. You can ask Pastor Chuck, Pastor Bob. I'll ask your opinion. What do you think? I don't even know. What, what are your feelings on this? What are your thoughts on this? They carry wisdom that I need. I have people in my life that I can turn to and say, I'm struggling in this area of my marriage. I'm not doing this right, and can you please? I thought I was doing it right, but I'm definitely not. Being a father, trying to father my kids, as you know, they don't come with an instruction manual as much as you wish they did. I need mentors in my life to say, let me help you with that. Let me tell you my story. So if you're in this place and you have maybe a few years behind you, I'm asking you to being open, be open to mentoring people coming up behind you. Young people, I'm asking you to be humble, to ask people in this church that you love and trust, that you know are godly, to say, hey, would you be willing to mentor me? Would you be willing to speak to things in my life that I need you to speak to? It is humbling. It is hard. I've had people sit across from me and go, Ben, you're being a real idiot. And they weren't wrong. I need that. I didn't need that. Church, mentorship needs to be a part. You should always be mentoring someone. And you should always be being mentored by someone. Paul said... In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We see so many examples of mentorship in the Bible. Paul mentors Timothy. Naomi mentors Ruth. Moses mentors Joshua. Elijah mentors Elisha. 
We should always be looking for a mentor, and we should always be looking to mentor. Now, this is a relationship where both have to be in agreement, okay? You can't just grab someone and say, hey, I'm mentoring you, all right? It's not really the way it works. It has to be agreed upon, all right? But I just want to put that in your mind, and I just want you to be thinking about that. If you're in this place, and you love God, and you are going after God with everything that, that you have, you have something to offer other people, especially younger people that are following you. The next part of community that we see, when community really works the way that, we, that it should, there should be discipleship happening. Amen? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want discipleship happening in this church and through this church. It's not always going to happen within the four walls of this church. Discipleship happens in small group settings, Sunday school settings, Wednesday night classes, whatever it may be. Small group settings are great for discipleship to happen. If you are a man in this room, we have an incredible men's ministry that meets on Wednesday nights. And Pastor Chuck wants to disciple you. Discipleship happens on Wednesday nights. We have a couple ladies groups that meet throughout the week. There's discipleship that is happening within those groups. We should all be being discipled and helping disciple other people. It should be part of our journey. And this is the last thing that I want to talk about today in regards to community. It's my final point. Doing life together. <clears throat> doing life together. If you have been around me for more than five minutes, whether it was through us applying here or just wherever else, you have probably heard me use this phrase, and you're probably sick of it already. But that's what true community is. Doing life together. That's where all of these things that we've talked about happen. Doing life together. Having people into your home. Having a meal together. Going to someone else's house. Doing life together. How was your day? What's going on? No, really, what's really going on? How are you really doing? Not just passing in the halls. Hey, brother, how's it going? Good, good to see you. See you later. Truly doing life together. Hey, man, how's your marriage? How are your kids? How's work going? We read about the early church. They did life together really well. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes 
and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's not a coincidence that that last part was in there after talking about community. After talking about community. One thing that we have to offer, obviously, is our story, our testimony. But one thing that is very attractive to people outside of the body of Christ is true community, is doing life together. One thing that I love to do is when someone is newly saved or, or newer to the church, I love to ask them questions. What brought you to the church? What kept you in the church? What brought you to the place where you said, I want to accept Jesus? You've been coming here for a few months. Why? What is it? And without fail, without fail, people would say something along the lines of, I just realized you're just normal, real people going through life together, figuring it out as you go. We're not perfect. We will never be perfect. And I never want to put on the front that Northville is perfect because we are filled. This is a building filled with imperfect people. So church, as people come in, it says it, they added to their numbers daily. There's an attraction. When people, when your, your neighbors see a bunch of cars out front, and the next morning they say, did you guys have like a get-together last night? Was there a party? What's going on? It's just a group of people from my church that came over. We watched a football game together. We had a Bible study together. We had a meal together, whatever it is. That is attractive to them. Because why? What is the world offering? Not true, safe, good community. That's not, that's not what is being offered to them. Church, we need each other. This church is more than just a box that we check off every week. It's a body of believers that serves a purpose. It's part of the Great Commission, which we're going to talk about here in the next few weeks. Last thing that I want to read, just tie a bow on this, is John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How will people know that we are his disciples? the way that we love each other in and through community. I'm not trying to sound like an old grouchy guy when I say this, but the things that are happening in this world through all these different social media platforms and all that stuff, that, all those are fine, but again, people are thinking that it, that is real community and they're thinking that that's truly what they need until they find out that there's nothing there but emptiness. I got 5,000 followers, cool, you don't know one of them. I got 5,000 friends on Facebook, cool. How many are actually part of your life and how many are you actually doing life together with? 
that's what I want Northville to be known as. A body of believers who love each other, who love this community, and is ready just to talk about Jesus and what God, what God has done in their lives, their testimony. That comes from community. There's no lone wolves. There's so many beautiful things that happen within the church. It takes vulnerability. It takes some guts. You got to step out and be willing to say, I need help. Will you speak to this? Will you speak to that? But that's the type of community that I want this place, this body of believers to be. Will you stand with me this morning, church? So we are going to go into a time where we reflect on what we talked about today. And I was talking to the guys this morning, I said it's not a super strong altar call type message, but the altars are going to be open during this next song and some of the pastors will be up here to pray with you. But I just want to challenge you this morning, if you have become a recluse, if you have become someone who thinks their true community is on a Facebook forum, if you are not doing life together with anyone the way that we are being called to, I want you to take the next few minutes and just have a conversation with God about that. Lord, what can I do better? God, how can I help someone else? God, send me someone that can, that can speak into my life. Send me a mentor. Help me to be a mentor. Help me to disciple. All of these beautiful things that come from community, I hope, is in every part of all of our lives. Will you pray with me, church? Lord, we love you. And God, I am just so thankful that you gave us just such practical instructions in your word. That you lay out for us what community is, what it looks like, what healthy community is, and what it looks like. God, I pray that Northville Christian would be a church that embraces true, healthy community. That people on the outside of this place would come to know you by the way that we love each other. In a backwards world where getting online and fighting with people is fun, God, I pray that people would get to know us they would see our testimony, hear our testimony by the way that we love each other, by the way that we do community. God, I pray that you would stretch all of us. Call us out of this comfortable place that we found ourselves in. Send people our way that we can just do life together with. Jesus, we love you.